This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Well, welcome in, everybody. We are live on a Tuesday. It is Kenny and Heilprin. After a deflating, uh, probably embarrassing loss by the Wisconsin Badgers against the Ohio State Buckeyes, 52-21 to on Saturday. I am Ben Kenny. That is Zach Heilprin. Zach, hello. Hey, Ben. How was your time in beautiful Columbus, Ohio? Well, it was... Uh, not short enough, I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> nothing against the great state of Ohio or the city of Columbus, but I was there. I got in at like noon and uh, did what I had to do and got on a flight at 6 a.m. And, and came home. Uh, so, yes, that 18 hours was probably about 18 hours too much for me and, and clearly, clearly too much for the Badgers. Man, that game was tough. I don't really know where to start when it comes to all of it. Either, I mean, <laughs> either did Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, well, they knew. Where did they no, chose? Nope, they did not know where to start. They they just didn't show up. Well, Paul Chris, where, where, where do we start here? Is this is this the field? Is it, is this where we're supposed to play football tonight? Paul Chris knew where to start. He wanted to start on defense, and that obviously backfired a little bit. But in terms of the game as a whole, I mean, there's the blanket statement that everything was bad. There was not one facet except for maybe Braylon Allen that was good. Uh, Braylon Allen in the Wildcat, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. It just, I, it was a complete disaster from the start. It was a throttling. The atmosphere proved to be too much. Ohio State proved to be too much. I mean, there is the caveat, the general theme that I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit when I address a tweet I sent out on Monday that the state of college football, like this Ohio State team with that quarterback and that defense and that play calling and those weapons, I, it just proved to be overwhelming. But even with everything they were up against, the what they put out on the field was very concerning going forward. When I look at the contest as a whole, it's like, yes, offensively, like special teams were bad. Andy Vujinovic struggled. Offensively, Mertz threw that pick, and honestly, after it was intercepted, I thought the game was over. That was my feeling, sitting on the couch watching it. I Overall, I think 1.8 uh, points per drive. They just weren't good enough on offense to keep up with Ohio State. My eagle-eye view of this contest sitting here today, a couple days removed, is, I mean, the defense did nothing. There's not one thing the defense did well against the Buckeyes. I said last Thursday, if they could stop the run, maybe they have a fighter's chance. If the linebackers play out of their mind, if you could stop Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, maybe you can contain Stroud a bit and keep your team in the game. But that did not happen. Uh, Ohio State, 7.7 yards per play. At the end of the first quarter, They had 100 yards before contact on the ground. Like, they just went absolutely nuts. Had like 11 yards per play in the first quarter. My overall view on this game where we sit today is this defense, it replaced eight starters. It's not that good right now. I I think it's that simple. It's inexperienced, and that inexperience showed in a very bright lights, big environment kind of game. And it's just not a great defense right now. Yeah, they did not play well, right? They they were not very good. I think you could probably say that they were pretty good the first three games of the season to get playing against relative nobody outside of Washington State, who we saw obviously put up some points against Oregon. They couldn't get off the field when they absolutely needed to against Washington State. That's obviously the big thing. But, you know, and listening to Jim Leonard today, and because when that happens, you have to be like, what the hell? Because this just doesn't happen to a Jim Leonard defense. Even against Ohio State, this doesn't happen against a Jim Leonard defense. 
Um, what he said was a lot of wide eyes. A lot of guys being in position to make plays and not doing it. A lot of guys just not, you know, thinking too much and just not going out and playing. And he said, you know, when they've matched up against Ohio State in the past, I think you specifically talking about 2016 and 2017 and the 2019 Big Ten title game, they went toe-to-toe with those guys and then just over the the time wore down because it's Ohio State and, the, you know, Ohio State was able to come out on top. This time, it just, it just wasn't a match to start with. It, it just wasn't any kind of a – they didn't slow them down whatsoever. They didn't. You're right. They didn't stop them at all. I mean, they, they, Mine Williams and Travion Henderson ran – didn't have a lot of contact, but when they did get contact, ran right through it. They, they didn't tackle very well um, in that game. So they're – overall, defense, very, very bad. And yet, you know, you can you, – if you're Jim Leonard, you can look and say, these guys were in position to make plays. They didn't do it. Doesn't mean that they can't make the plays later on. And I think all those things are correctable. But when you're playing against Ohio State, I should say, when you're playing against New Mexico State or uh, Washington State and you make a wrong move or you're in the wrong spot, you get exposed. When you do it against Ohio State, it hap- you know, we saw what happened on Saturday night. Yeah, Travion Henderson on Saturday, 2.9 yards before contact per touch, 2.9 yards after contact. The glaring ones, Mayan Williams, and there's one third and three that really stuck out with the Jordan Turner missed tackle. 5.2 yards before carry per touch. That offensive line worked Wisconsin all night. And well, it also was very hard because I they had to drop back in zone and just hope that Stroud would make mistakes against it. I think I saw uh, from some box scores they played zone more than 80% of the time. Part of that also is you might not have the corners to guard those receivers. I just... When I look at this defense, I don't know what the identity is. But that's not who they are. Like, they're not a zone team, usually. Right. That's, that's not who they are. But against this group, a lot of crossers, right? A lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, they didn't really throw the ball down the field. It, like, down, down the field. There weren't, like, 50-yard throws that we have seen from Ohio State in the past. They didn't need to. Exactly. Uh, there were some th- shots down the middle of the field, you know, 30 yards down the middle of the field. We saw that with the tight end a couple times. Um, but... No, it's it's when you're playing two defensive linemen, they were they're able to hold up against some teams like that. But Ohio State's not that type of team, and so if you go three down linemen, then you're giving up something else somewhere else. It, it's it's a conundrum against them, right? And and Jim Leonard said as much. Um, it, here's the thing, though, he said, you know, I can do things differently as a coordinator. I can do a few things better, but there were there were guys there to make plays. We just didn't do it. They didn't. They, the game plan wasn't necessarily followed to where it, it needed to be. And uh, guys trying to do more than what they were supposed to do, and it led to uh, obviously getting embarrassed. That's what concerns me going because, forward, though. So, sorry, just just because like the last time this happened, get this many points put on them, it was deep shot after deep shot after deep shot from Cardell Jones in that 2014 championship game and it was Ezekiel Elliott breaking out for like a 75 80 yard touchdown like it was just a ton of big plays this was just 11 yards 15 yards 20 yards 11 yards like it was just one after the other on down the road um so sorry the things that make you worried going forward Ohio State's success rate to that point was almost 60 percent on offense and that's unheard of again they're completely what do we talk about the beginning of the season this may be the best Ohio State offense that's ever been there. I mean, that, that was the talk after coming back after last season. Despite the guys that they lost, Olave and Garrett Wilson, 
you had all those other guys coming back, uh, an experienced offensive line, and a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, a Heisman finalist, I should say, at quarterback, they were expecting to be this type of good. And outside of the Notre Dame game, they have been. Um, so I don't – you would expect Wisconsin to put up a bigger fight, but you could tell – I mean, the gate they, they knew as soon as it was six plays – what was it, six plays and 80 yards drive, eighty yards on that first drive, something like that, it was like, uh-oh. You, yeah. knew, you knew it, and they knew it too. They had They knew it as well. What concerns me is – Something we've seen throughout the beginning of this season, though, where, yes, tackling is something you would expect to be improved upon as things go along, but it's also been something that's bit them all year up to this point. It obviously became a big issue when nothing else was working. Uh, And you mentioned they were in position to make plays. The third and three I mentioned, uh, Jordan Turner comes down. Mayan Williams is there, and he just runs through him. I think he runs through one other tackle on the way down to the two-yard line. Max Lofi. Yeah, the fact that this defense overall, it's like even the little things – that you would expect and need Wisconsin to do really well. Like when you think of, I was watching Monday Night Football last night, and Josie Jewell, maybe it was Sunday night because uh, he's on the Broncos, uh, anti-linebacker, former Iowa linebacker. Like what is the one thing, no matter what, that Iowa always does well and Wisconsin has always done well? Why is Josie Jewell in the NFL? Because he tackles everything he looks at. Like no matter what, if he's in position, he makes the play. The fact that this defense at a bunch of levels just is not at that point yet. To me, it's concerns not, me. To me, it's not talent, though. Like, it's not it's not ability. You, no. You don't think Jordan Turner can make that tackle? Like, bring your hat in your hands and wrap them up. Same thing with Max Lofi. He's throwing shoulders into dudes. That's not how you tackle in college football against the best running backs in the country. You can't do it. Chase Brown will run right through that this week. Like, you can't, you cannot do that. That That is a correctable thing to me. Um, now, let's be fair about this. Uh, Jordan Turner and Mumajang Meta are smaller linebackers than what normally Wisconsin has. Both of them are under 230. Leo Chanel was 255 last year. Jack Sanborn, eh, right in the eh, 235, 240. Like they're smaller guys. They're supposed to bring a little bit, they're supposed to have a little bit more speed and that type of thing to them. But they're, they're different linebackers than what we are normally accustomed to seeing at Wisconsin. We've also seen those issues on the outside, though. Like I'm not going to say they don't have the talent to do it. It's just one is the one thing that's really bit this team more than anything, aside from the occasional explosive passing play, it is the fact that they have struggled to wrap up. Like, that's undoubtedly been a story. We, you talked about it yes, last I'm week. Not, I'm not completely disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It, it, it definitely is an issue, but I don't think it's an issue that can't be fixed. Like, it sounds like you think this is an issue that can't be fixed. No, I think it can be fixed, but when I come away from this game, like, offensively, I think the line will obviously be better with its starting tackles, though I think Trey Weddick did pretty well in there. I think the offense as a whole will perform better when they don't, uh, when they aren't faced with a 21-point, 28-point deficit after one quarter. I think defensively up front, they'll do better against teams that obviously aren't Ohio State in their plan when it comes to more in-the-box teams. Wisconsin will succeed more against Illinois. They'll succeed more against Iowa, but their offense sucks. Generally, though, like if there are little things that crop up in the beginning of the season, they are put on a national stage against an all-time great offense, and they become huge problems. It's one of those, until I see a couple really dominant defensive performances, it's more, I don't believe this defense can be, obviously not close to last year, but great enough to bring them to a West title. That's what last night showed me, where even if there was were hints, let's say Ohio State still scored a lot and still did what they wanted, but you still saw some hints that maybe they could show up and turn into a defense like last year when the on the other side, when the offensive line struggled through three games, then they got rolling, and they almost 
vaulted Wisconsin or did their part to bringing Wisconsin to a West title, I need to see the defense now pretty much turn it around completely. Because normally, like, what is Wisconsin football? It's a great running game. It's a great defense. I can't say this team has a very specific identity right now because not much is working aside from Braylon Allen. But that was the one thing maybe from the game where That's you look at working, though. Like it was the game was over by the time it started working. It's also inconsistent. Yes. Uh, but that kind of goes to the offense as a whole. Like did Mertz struggle? Is this struggle another example of maybe a big time road game? I, I would argue his second he's played in his career. Like, Yes. But also, I just I don't think it's fair to ask this team, and this maybe brings up another conversation. I don't think it's fair to ask this team and this offense and how they play to come back from a deficit like that. Yeah, but the reason they're in a the reason it got out of hand as quickly as it did, in addition to the defense not being able to stop anything, was the interception. I'm that, sorry, like you you said it yourself. As soon as the interception happened, the game was over. That is true, and it was. It felt like it was. And again, I don't. You mentioned Paul Chris going out there on. On defense first. Well, which one did you have more confidence in going to that game? Like, I don't think you necessarily have great confidence in, in either one, right? No. Um, and so, like, going out there with the crowd the way it was going to be, somehow he's thinking our defense will get a stop on first down, kind of like they have in the in that 2019 game uh, when they went down there. Their defense played well for the, you know, the first half. First, uh, yeah, yeah, for the first half. And made it difficult on Ohio State. He was, I'm guessing... He was thinking that may, they might be able to do the same thing on Saturday night. That did not happen. They go right down the field instead of getting you know the three and out that they were potentially going to get, and then obviously interception, and it was just it, the snowball was rolling down, and it wasn't going to be stopped. I don't mean to second guess that decision, but when you said uh, they didn't even what know what they wanted to do when they entered, I said that I, was a, that was a joke. Yes, but. I know, I know. The only thing I will second guess is the punt, and. Here's the thing. In the grand scheme of things, it's fourth and one from their own 44-yard line. They're trailing 21 to nothing. Ohio State, to that point, had gained 11 yards per play. And it's already, the game is already somewhat out of hand at that point. And you, uh, Graham Mertz throws it to Skyler Bailey, can't get to the line to gain. Paul Crystal likes to punt. We could second-guess that decision. It obviously doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Does it point to, I, I do question, because Paul Chris said after the game, he wanted his defense to try to get a stop and flip the field. I question what Paul Christ was watching on the field during the game because it was clear to me that that defense was not going to get a stop all night if Ohio State really tried to push it and tried to score every time. If I'm going to second-guess one thing, it's that call. I mean, it's as you said, it's irrelevant because of the game, but it's also relevant because it it was 21 to nothing. What are you doing? What are you doing? I understand your idea. I, I get that. But what in the world made you think that you were going to be able to get a stop? There was there was no indication that your defense had any chance to get a stop against them that night. Now, he said, you know, in the past, we've been able to do that. I'm like, well, not the, not the recent past. You haven't been able to do that against Ohio State. And then, obviously, the thing that really kills you is it's a 23-yard punt. Yeah. So it makes it look even worse. But in that moment, I'm going for it. You, you You're playing... I, I, at the time, I tweeted out just a you know a white flag. I, I, that's not what Paul Chris was doing. It was just in my mind. That's that's. I feel like that's what people watching him do that felt like. Like that's what he's doing. But I wonder if the Washington State thing came back to him. I was going to ask that. I I don't know. Again, 
totally, completely different situations, right? That game was close. This one was a three-touchdown game. You're getting blown out. You had had a little bit of success being able to move the ball to, to midfield and then to, to punt it. Um, you know, really, I think just said to your team, yeah, this isn't – we can't do this. We're not going to do it. Because I guarantee you everybody on that offense wanted to go for it. Fourth and one, fourth and two, just get it. Well, I mean, plus- and, and if you don't, and if you don't, all right, Ohio State's going to take one less play, two less plays to get the end zone. Like that's – at that point, you hadn't stopped anybody. Maybe give yourself some momentum. Maybe give your defense a little bit of time to try and figure things out on the sideline. Not that they were going to, but if they – you know, you just never know. Uh, that type of play – and then maybe you hit a big one, and all of a sudden it's 21-7, to 7, and you at least have stopped the bleeding. But instead, he just essentially threw more meat at Ohio State's offense, and, and they gobbled it up and went right down the field. The offense also had not been on the field. Like One of the issues I, fa- I knew they were going to face is if the offense couldn't move the ball, then how does the defense hold up? Yeah, but we it didn't matter. Saw, just, yeah, those well, drives, though. It didn't matter. Like The drives were like three minutes. I know. That's what I was saying entering the game. And then as the game began, it was very clear that the defense wouldn't hold up anyway. Your only hope in the world was some outlier turnovers, which you got one from Stroud, but and to actually keep the offense on the field for a prolonged amount of time. It's waste time, yeah. They had, they had three and outs and a pick before that, and I like... Then you go back to the bench, Ohio State scores again, and now you're, it's, it's an even bigger hole that you're trying to, to dig out of. They had uh, Wisconsin as an offense, I saw nine scoreless drives of five plays or less. Like Part of that is when you have a chance to actually go for it on fourth down and maybe pray that you keep Stroud and keep the score manageable, Stroud on the sideline, you have to go for it. But quite, um, quite a few of those were not like easy third downs either. right? Like They were, they were behind the sticks on a lot of them. Um, you know, where Graham had been so good against Washington State, it was Washington State. And yep. Ohio State, you know, was able to pin their ears back. And you're right, Trey, Trey Weddick did do a nice job. I think the other side was a little bit of an issue. Um, and would that have been different with Jack Nelson? I think it would have been. I don't know if he he's not going to make that much of a difference um, in, that, in that scenario. But, yeah, I don't think Graham Mertz felt entirely comfortable in the pocket. Um, no, and, you and could see that. Reason. There were some times where he tried to half – scramble but then he was immediately met by a linebacker like you could tell and yeah it's a tough ask to put both of your backup like backups in at both tackle spots and expect the offense to work perfectly that's a tough situation to go into a game like that but Ohio State defense is good uh I mean Tanner McAllister they're solid I mean their secondary is not anything to be is not special right they were at this point with their with some of their injuries there they're not special at all Wisconsin should have been able to take advantage of it yeah they were definitely injured on that back end uh that Skylar Bell pass towards halftime. I'm going to bring you into the mind of, of Ben Kenny watching the game a bit. I had uh, indulged throughout the day visiting my brother at Michigan. And we'd gone to the Michigan-Maryland game. Great game. Talk about that a little later on. Uh, Wisconsin plays Maryland in Camp Randall later this season. I tweeted out, you know, after Wisconsin scores to make it 28-7, to I think. That was the margin when they did that. Tweeted out, you know, if only they could get a stop here. And I think they actually did. Maybe a little bit later, Torchio had the interception. Yeah, just before and then half, yeah. Wisconsin isn't driving, but they have the ball, and they were going to start the second half with the ball, so I'm doing the math. It's like when you gamble on an over, and it's in basketball, and it's eight minutes left in the game. You're trying to do the math. Pretty sure it was 35-7 to seven at that point. But. It might have been. But I was trying to figure out, okay, so what if Wisconsin scores here, and then maybe they get the ball back to start the half, and they score there, and then you know anything can happen. 
Then that deep pass to Skylar Bell gets tipped, broken up, slash dropped, or whatever happened. And, yeah, that what, quickly what, went away. What do you think? Was it dropped? Was it – what do you think? I don't know. It was Did a, you need to make that play? It was a bang-bang play. It's another one of those things where the game was kind of over by then. Doesn't matter. Got to make that play. If – let's say it was a tied game and that was the end of the game instead of the half, I would probably come on and say he does. Yeah. But it's just – it's one of those nights. Nothing worked. He so was, it's he was kind wide of, open. Yeah. So uh, I I usually ask like the stupidest questions like when it comes to that type of stuff, when you're asking the quarterback, being like, did you want to do something different there? And he goes, yeah, throw a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, like the ball. Like would you have tried to put a little bit more air under it? Like what, what do you want to do? He's like, yeah, just throw a touchdown. I'm like, all right. There also is one third down I come back to in the first half. I have rewatched the game as well to – see the Braylon Allen Wildcat reps. And I can confirm they gained positive yards on all but one of them. Uh, one where he handed to Malusi. He so, got stuffed. So they made they, they called all three plays out of it. Yeah. One was the pass and one was a run near the goal line. Uh, once teams actually game plan for it, I don't think it'll work very well. Do you know he has the strongest arm on the team? Is that what he said? Yeah. Someone asked him, what's what? how far can you throw the ball? He said, farthest on the team. <laughs> and everyone did that. They just did the little little laugh and he goes you guys laugh i'm for real it was a good little toss i'll say i mean it was, it was accurate yeah the ball handling was pretty impressive said he didn't get enough depth on his drop but but there was one other third down i came back to early i think this might have been the first one of the game uh bef- after the interception when wisconsin got it back 14 nothing it's third and seven and mertz takes a shot Keontes lewis gets a step on the corner and there were two guys there he kind of had a step the ball needed to be perfect. It's a tough throw to make off his back on foot. the run. Yeah. Off his back foot. But that kind of goes back to, and I could not see through the broadcast what other options were there, but that also is something Paul Christ had mentioned. There was the whole, oh, for. Christ, is, Christ is telling his quarterback not to throw it down the field. Are you kidding? He, he threw it down the field so well. That happened, I forget, after Washington State or yes. after? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's also one of those deals where, okay, it's third and seven. Your defense is getting gashed. The best play there is an eight-yard anything to move the sticks and actually give the offense life. Do you think Ohio State was was game planning to keep them from getting a first down in that eight, you know, those eight-yard things? I'm not saying anybody was. Oh, I was unable. You think maybe taking a shot would be the smart play there because maybe the Ohio State's expecting you to to do it, and especially because Ohio State brought some pressure. Uh, maybe it's one of those deals where when you're in the sense of the game and as the game is progressing it's one of those things where I would I'm not saying that that was the wrong place to go with the ball but it's kind of the continuation of something that we had seen Paul Chris talk about yeah where maybe it pops up in the future because that's that's my next question when we come back we'll talk about it what what actually like what does the game mean what are the things we watched mean for the rest of the season what in there can we take away going forward because a lot of it is the credit to the Buckeyes some of it though uh we will will pop up and we will see Maybe come back to hurt the Badgers as the season continues. That is coming up next. And then after that, uh, I sent a tweet out. I had thoughts on Monday after I exercised about maybe the state of Wisconsin's program. And this is no Paul Christ general trajectory discussion, just a general thought about the season. Many, uh, I think it polarized people. There were some that agreed. There were some that disagreed. I'll read the tweet. I'll explain what I was saying. Uh, that is coming up in a little bit, about 15 minutes from now. A lot more to come. It's Kenny and Heilprin. 
This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. Kenny and Heilprin. Wisconsin is 2-2. Two and two. They got crushed by Ohio State on Saturday, 52-21. to 21. We look forward. Brett Bielema comes to town in the Karma Cup. I believe it has been named. You can workshop that. I saw people uh, discussing names on Twitter today. We'll get into that game as the week goes along, maybe a little later on in the show today. But when it comes to what happened on Saturday, Zach, what on the field that happened, maybe deficiencies for Wisconsin, a strength, if you can point to any, what can we take away that will actually mean something for the rest of the season? Absolutely nothing. Really? When are you going to face another team like that? What are you going to face another situation like that? Maybe the Big Ten Championship game if you were able to figure things out and win the West and you have to go play them again? It'll... I... We only got to talk to three of these guys after the game on, on Saturday night. Uh, the last time they went down there and got beat by 31, we got to talk to them and we heard from, like, we want another shot at these guys. We want this. We want, we want like, Cole Van Lannan wanted another shot at Chase Young because... Chase Young dominated them in that because game down there. Paul Christ wouldn't let him block him the first game. So he wa- he's like, we want another shot, these guys. We want another chance. And if we get another chance, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be better. Didn't hear that from that these guys that night. But again, that's because we only talked to three of them, and it was only like four minutes. Um, so it's possible that they were all thinking the same thing. Like we, you know, if we get another shot, maybe we'll have another. We'll, we'll be able to put it together. But in terms of what we saw, like, no, you flushed the hell out of that tape. You, I shouldn't say it. You, you learn from it. And then you flush it because there's there's absolutely nothing. There's very little good that came off of it. I didn't even want. I mean, Braylon, you can talk about the 165 yards, 75 of which came on one play. Um, as a guy continuing to play, and he said he would die on the field. I would die. I was gonna. I was willing to die on this field. I didn't want to be taken out of the game. And that's that's great. That's awesome. Kept fighting. But other than that, like I don't. Yeah, I don't know what you're you're taking from that. No, I'm also none of the bad you take away well, okay, and thinking. What's the, but what's the good? No, there isn't any good. I'm saying maybe there was good in there. I'm saying moving forward, what things from that game weren't just Ohio State being great, but what could come back to bite Wisconsin? Well, it's kind of the things that we talked about already, right? The the tackling, that that made a concern. The early success on first and second down, setting up very short, you know, manageable third down situations, which has been a issue all year, right? Like the success on on, on first down throughout the year has been a bit bit of an issue. I have the numbers. And this does not include week one because they played an FCS team and the stats are not kept the same for those. So far throughout the year, Wisconsin's defense is allowing opposing offenses to pick up a first down 78% of the time on first or second down, meaning only 22% of the time do they get to a third. And then on third, they were great entering the Ohio State game. Now they're uh, 35%. It obviously went down because Ohio State did everything well. But you're right. They're 125th in the nation in that number. Yeah, so that's that obviously is a concern. Um, so it's, it's things that have shown up throughout the entire year that continue to be a concern. Offensively, um, getting healthy. I mean, get healthy at the, at the tackle spots. And I was talking to somebody before the game down on the field, and um, they told me, I'm like, are they going to be able to keep Graham upright tonight? And he goes, oh, they'll be fine at right tackle. Trey's not that much of a drop-off from, from Miley. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the left side? He goes, they're going to need to give him some help. Um, getting Jack Nelson back is significant. And, 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 you know, having him there on a consistent basis is significant. Because once Graham, against 
most defenses, Graham, when Graham has time, there's going to be guys open. We, we, there were guys open against Ohio State. Um, not as many as there were open <laughs> earlier in the year, but there were guys open against Ohio State. And if he has time and isn't worried about getting uh, the crap knocked out of him, I think he's going to be able to find him. So there are, there are things that uh, offensively, and, and get more consistent in the run game. Get more, get more push early in the run game or uh, on early downs in the run game. Sometimes it takes a little bit, right? The what was the fourth game of last year? Uh, was was Notre Dame? No, it was Michigan. The fifth game was against Illinois, and that's when their offense offensive line came together, started running the ball. Braylon Allen was a part of the offense, and, and things kind of got ironed out offensively, and they they started being able to run the ball. That was something they hadn't been able to do in the first four games of the year. So, I know I'm rambling here, but all those things. Uh, I think are at least concerns at this point. It's a very similar script last year to this year when it comes to getting Illinois and needing to turn it around with a great performance, especially on the ground. I'm with you in the inconsistent run game. I'm with you in the tackling. I do think as we move forward throughout the year, the inside linebacker position is going to be one we need to watch because obviously not a lot of experience there with Turner and Jong Meta. And yes, as you had mentioned and as we discussed a lot was going wrong defensively, so I'm sure it's hard to go in like look at one thing when everything else didn't work because it's a unit. When it works together, it works very well. When everything else is not going well, I can't really like rely on one position to stick out because I'm sure they felt like they had to do more. But generally, we saw the inexperience. The inside linebacker position is going to have to turn it around against some of the really good running teams in this conference. Illinois is the first one we'll see. Uh, as we move forward throughout the West schedule, but Minnesota's one. We'll talk about them with Mo Ibrahim. Uh, I mean, Iowa doesn't do anything well, but you never it, know by the time that game comes around. Right. They could end up having an same offensive with, pulse. Same with Nebraska. And I would say Maryland. It, just in general, inside linebacker play, it was a glaring, uh, I would say, weakness against Ohio State. And we'll see. We'll see if it comes back uh, and comes around as the season goes along. The other one, you said they have to get healthy. It's also the Clay Cundiff injury is going to yeah. hurt a lot. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I, that one, uh, you know, of all the losses that you take from that night, that probably is the biggest one because he's been, I want to call him dynamic, but he's been significant to your offense. He's been huge. And I don't know who you stick in there and replace him with. Like Jack Eschenbach is going to obviously step up and have a bigger role now. Um, but there's a reason Clay Cundiff. I mean, Clay Cundiff can do everything. Uh, him and him and Hayden Rucci, that little that pairing was fantastic for them. Um, so that's gonna be really. It's gonna be a tough one to overcome. And uh, you know, they they haven't ruled him out for the year yet. But I mean, I'd be surprised if we see him. Like maybe they maybe in a bowl game he comes back for maybe. I mean, that's three months down the line. So maybe he's back for that. But um, real real tough situation because he was playing fantastic. Yeah, he's a big part of the offense. Also, other injuries that, I mean, these guys need to be healthy moving forward. Alexander Smith still hasn't played, and I don't and, think... And won't play this week. Already out? Yep. Or as listed, or as is listed and confirmed? Listed out. Yes. There's only been one guy that's been listed out and played, Tanner Bordellini. Right. Um, there's been a ton of guys not listed that ended up not playing. Uh, Riley Malman, how you doing? Um, still hasn't been listed out in the Monday status report. Hasn't played in the last three games. The Alexander Smith thing, I asked Jim Leonard about it last week. He said, I asked him if it was a setback, and he just, what is a setback? You know, it's kind of tough to talk about that with injuries like and just all that kind of stuff. And, and hamstrings are, are difficult to overcome, but, I mean, someone joked, will Cundiff be back before Alexander Smith? And then um, I don't, 
a possibility. I don't know. But at this point, like, it's only four games, right? There's another eight games to play here in the uh, regular season, bowl game. Maybe it's maybe a Big Ten championship game. So there could be 10 more games that you could play in. So there's still a lot of season left where Alexander Smith could come back and be an impact player. But he's needed. I think he is definitely needed, even though, you know, their other corners have had their moments. Yeah. And I don't think his availability on Saturday changes much at all. Like, no. I don't think Jim Leonard decides to play man more because no. Alexander Smith's out there. I don't know who in the country you could match up with some of those receivers and well, play I mean, man Georgia. across the board. Georgia, maybe. Yes. And w- maybe we'll get to see that later this year. Which, yeah. Uh, Ohio State, no doubt, looks like a national title. Uh, definitely playoff, maybe more kind of contender this season with Stroud and company. We're going to step away. When we return, there is a Wisconsin program trajectory discussion, though. Uh, Zach is built up for this one. He has uh, expressed his thoughts on Twitter already. I, there's a way that I view a certain program in the rest of the season that I want to expand upon. I'm going to do it next for those that didn't like the tweet I sent out earlier this week. You will get an explanation when we return. It is Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back in. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we will discuss... Big Ten as a whole after last weekend, what Wisconsin's rest of season record could look like. Similar spot they find themselves in to last year with a slow start, a disappointing start, but still a lot of opportunity there to turn it around, still get to Indy. Obviously, they're 0-1 in the Big Ten. They're 2-2 and overall. A lot can still change. Uh, so that will be coming up here in about 15 minutes. I also will make a public statement about my picks from last week. Woof. It didn't go well. It went impressively bad that I think I should be commended for it, but we'll talk about it (laughs) coming up. That is true Ben Kenny spin right there. It is. Uh, The bit is alive and well. So when I work, when I exercise on Monday, uh, it's before this show that we do. It is after a game that had happened. Many of my thoughts are around how I'm thinking about the game, how I'm making sense of it, what I think it means. And a lot of the talk after Saturday's loss to Ohio State. And this did come from a lot of people that probably tune in to watch every Saturday and maybe don't follow as closely. Or listening to the show right now. I would doubt they are. (laughs) And I kind of feel safe, you know, saying that for that reason. Maybe ones or maybe they'd even watch all the big games. Don't even care about maybe out of conference play and things like that. Casuals. I would say so, even though I love all of them and I love you all as well. A lot of vitriol coming back to Paul Christ because Wisconsin got embarrassed. I think it's fair to say that on a national stage with more than four and a half million people watching. Before we get to that um, vitriol of Paul Christ, what do you make of the Urban Meyer rumors? (laughs) They are rumors. Uh, Actually, I think this fits in. Maybe it fits in well after we do this, but... I don't, I don't have an official statement on it. I mean, my one, my first thought when someone brings up that name and the rumors that are circulating, circulating, excuse me, everywhere is be an interesting guy to cover. I love that it is uh, being talked about, including on our radio stations, as a yeah. legitimate topic, as somehow 
Wisconsin would be in the running for Urban Meyer or that they should be in the running for Urban Meyer. Um, I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of funny. Oh, I'm taking some enjoyment out of it. Right, right. But like there are like we understand what we're doing here. And I think there's a, uh, you know, there have been some other things that uh, are, are, you know, they know what they're doing. But there are other people that are just straight up being like, no, I think this would be a good idea. Like they should they should approach it and they should go get them type of thing. Yeah. And these people are in media and they're doing this stuff on radio. And again, I'm not absolving uh, our radio stations of not doing this uh, because we had to talk about it on uh, Bill Michaels yesterday. But it's 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 comical. Yes, uh, actually, it's not as comical as we're, what we're about to talk about, but it's comical. <laughs> I want to amend my my initial statement. My official statement on the Urban Meyer to Wisconsin rumors that are circulating yeah. is I don't want it to happen for one reason. I want to see him go to Nebraska because that would make me a happy and be just interested to no end in how that works out. So if they feel that desperate enough, they do. But I don't think there's there's no way Urban Meyer is going. There was this report that they met and then they shot down the report. It was one of those deals to me where you're I feel like you're going to ask Urban Meyer about pass to go while also half asking him about his interest and he's going to say no. I don't think Urban Meyer would want to take over Nebraska in that state. He's more of a go into somewhere that's maybe more ready and in a better place as a program. But I've no doubt the meeting happened. I just don't think it was, do you want this job? We're going to offer it to you. It was, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think this guy would be a good coach? Maybe think, just conferring. I think Urban Meyer would turn that program around in a second, um, and they'd be a winning program very, very quickly. And then, like he did in Jacksonville, set up the next coach to have a lot of success. Yes. And at Ohio State, frankly. Yeah. And Doug Peterson, Ryan Day. I, I don't remember I was, Florida. I was going to say at Florida, but no, I don't think so. I don't really remember. Okay. Uh, so I tweeted something on Monday. After I exercised, we got to that point. And I was thinking everybody is coming at Paul Christ because Wisconsin got crushed by Ohio State. And the gap has undoubtedly widened between the Buckeyes and the Badgers since even they last met, since 2019. And that 2019 team was great, but the Badgers are not playing as good football today than they were during that year and at that point. The tweet reads, word for word, using this current iteration of Ohio State as a measuring stick for the Wisconsin program seems a bit unfair. The more important program of measurement is located one state to the west. And of course you meant Iowa, right? No. You don't I, want to amend this? You're, that's, the, that's the way you want to go with this? No, I'm reading the tweet word know, for I'm, word. I've given you an opportunity to get out of it. No, this is what we're going to do. Okay. I'm reading the tweet word for word. I'll let you go. Sorry. And then I'm going to give my thought process. Okay, and then sorry. you're more than welcome I'm, to I'll shoot shut, it down. I'll shut up. Uh, the more important program of measurement is located one state to the west. And it's quite good this year, which makes UW's struggles extremely concerning. I was talking about Minnesota, and here's my thought. Times have changed a bit around a Wisconsin season where when you enter a season these days, like that game against Ohio State, you're not going to learn that much about where your program stands unless you go beat them and then maybe you're suddenly back. But given where Wisconsin is, they were likely going to lose the game. Question of how much you're not going to. That's not a measuring stick game. Ohio State for Wisconsin. And maybe it was. I would argue in 2017, in 2019, the Big Ten Championship used to be the measuring stick for this program back when they were making it there because they came up uh, close, they came up short, and then we saw, okay, they're close to obviously getting over the hump and winning the conference, but they haven't done it yet. The program, the team, has regressed a bit since that point. I would say entering a season, what is the game on the schedule? 
when it comes to Wisconsin and the West and overall that you would consider a measuring stick game every year, maybe for the last two to three years and then going forward a little bit. It's not going to be Alabama. It's not Ohio State. I would argue for the Badgers, especially this season, it's Minnesota at the end of the year. Number one, they're obviously good. But number two, if they go and beat Minnesota and win the West, you would say the season is a success. You would say the program's in a fine spot. On the other hand, like it happened last year, and then this would only be the further uh, continuation of that trend, if they go and lose to Minnesota at home and miss out on the Big Ten title as a result, I would say like that game is a measuring stick game of sorts where no longer is it getting to the Big Ten title and seeing how close you come against Ohio State because the Badgers haven't done it. I'm saying all this. I'm not comparing. I'm not saying Wisconsin is comparing themselves to Minnesota. You I'm sure you're about to point out hasn't won the Big Ten title in 61 years. I get that. But when it comes to the game during the year, that is the game to me at this point with where we stand with this program. That is the measuring stick game. It's not Iowa. I don't think it can be Iowa until Brian Ferentz is gone and they have an offense with a pulse. Northwestern is kind of a disaster right now. The whole Big Ten West, like Purdue is okay. Uh, Nebraska obviously fired their coach. Illinois is up and coming a little bit with Bielema. But there's a game on the schedule every single year that I think is the measuring stick for where your program stands, where a loss means a lot bad is happening and a win means things are mostly okay. And it's Minnesota. Fold up the program if you're going to start Calling and start comparing yourself to Minnesota every year. Beating Minnesota is expected. It's not will it happen? I don't know if it's gonna. It's expected. That's the that's the level where this program has gotten to. If it's if it's fallen off to that point where it's ooh, can we beat Minnesota? If we beat Minnesota, it's a good year. Absolutely not. Minnesota's done absolutely nothing to deserve that except. In your mind, obviously beat Wisconsin last year, right? Like that. That's why they deserve this because they they beat Wisconsin last year in a in a. A little bit of a fluke in my mind. Uh, Wisconsin clearly the better team than them last year. That's that's why they deserve this. They've beaten absolutely nobody this year. They're four zero. Awesome, Ben. Like what did they what have they done to to impress you? They are a good team this year. They, I just mean when like, it comes. We don't know how good you, you won't let us talk about how the program like where the program is going up or going down at this point until the Big Ten season is over, but you're willing to say Minnesota's on the up and up and like coming up and grabbing Wisconsin and pulling them back down? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying Minnesota's gotten to that level, but it's undeniable when you've lost to them a couple times in the last couple of years. Has Wisconsin it's fall? It's rivalry. It happens. I understand, but here, here's my thoughts. Let's go back to 2019. I would, that was a really good 2019 Badger. That was Badger. the best Minnesota team in 60 years. I understand. Let me get to that. They didn't win. Okay. They in, have not won. In 2019. Unless you want to take that little college game day ring they have. and, and No, and say that I, that's, this that's is what, not that's, a defensive Minnesota. I'm just saying it's this on. This is clearly a defensive Minnesota. Okay. I, I, it's not a defensive Minnesota. I'm saying they have a good team this year. And when I look throughout Wisconsin's rest of season schedule, what are the games now that they play that are measuring stick games? Because it used to be Ohio State and now it isn't. Where in 2019, I, it was a really good Wisconsin team. They played a good Minnesota team. They beat them. They go to the Big Ten Championship. And the Big Ten Championship used to be the measuring stick game when they were making it. But they're not making it anymore. And it's until- still No, that is still the measuring stick. If you can win the West and get to the Big Ten title game. And if you can get there, can you play Ohio State close? That that is I don't know, I don't know why that's changed. Obviously, they haven't been there the last two years, right? COVID year is what it is. Last year, they were one win away, which obviously Minnesota didn't allow them to get there. Congrats to P.J. Fleck. Great, awesome win, but they've—that's still the expectation—is to win the West. I'm not saying it's not. 
then what the, what are you talking about then? I'm saying you're saying you're saying beating Minnesota is, is the expectation. Be, playing against Minnesota and somehow winning that game is all of a sudden how you measure success. No, because you're not winning the West without winning that game. And they didn't do it last year. And we saw, like, last year, that Minnesota game was the measuring stick game because they had a slow start, then they had a good stretch, and then if they win that game, the season is a success. If 2014, they lose, 2016, 2019, they won that game every time. So they didn't, they, they, those were all, all Big Ten West title games. They won them all. Okay. They lose this one, right? They lose last year. So they're 3-1 and one in such games. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, gosh, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing here. And and now all of a sudden Minnesota's on the same level, and you're supposed to be comparing. And measure- I'm not saying they're on the same level. You when have I done that? You are you're saying the program of measurement for Wisconsin now is located one state to the west. The measuring stick game every season. Not the measuring stick game. The more important program of measurement. Program of measurement. More not, important not than game. Ohio State, no not doubt. Game. If that game is if Ohio if that game is uh, against Ohio State, and I'm not saying it would have been different, but if it's a home game. At Wisconsin, what they've done the last few times was uh, Ohio State. Some really good Ohio State teams have come to Madison. They've given them a game. I'm not saying that that's what actually happened this year, based on what we saw the other night. But and I'm not, and I'm also not saying you would ever compare them to Ohio State. But I would certainly put Iowa up there ahead of Minnesota in, in terms of program comparison. They've actually won more than two double had more than two double double digit win seasons the last 116 years of, of football. Like Minnesota is not a compare. Uh, a uh, program you compare yourself to if you're a winning program and want to I'm be I'm not using the level. word compare. Again, it is what games do you have left on this Comparing schedule? Comparing with or measuring to, Ben. Okay. If you if you disagree with the wording of the tweet, fine. My thought process is when I look through the rest of Wisconsin's schedule this year, it'll likely be the same next year. Iowa I can't see as a measuring stick game because their offense is inept. If Wisconsin goes and wins that game, maybe not everything is still fine because you were playing a team with one of the more inept offenses I've ever seen. When I look through the rest of this schedule, and I think it'll be the same next year, Minnesota is the game where if you win, then I think the program is in an okay place. And maybe this is a, a big conversation about the fact that Wisconsin's fallen off a bit and they're not as dominant in the West as they've been. And that is a conversation. I think we're going to have it in the offseason if they don't win the West again. But the measuring stick game to me is Minnesota now. And the measuring stick game this year is Minnesota. Okay. So I will I will concede that. The program, give me a break. That program that program is nothing. Nothing. That is not a school that is going to consistently win football games. That is not a top. That is not a perennial top twenty-five football school. As soon as PJ, PJ Fleck, watch this. Watch this. PJ Fleck can coach football. He's an annoying son of a bitch, but he can coach football. Right. Mm-hmm. When he leaves and goes elsewhere, he's not going to. He's not going to stay in Minnesota. That, that's not a. That's not a place you can win. Regularly, it's not a college town. It's like it's it's like the fifth thing that you think about when you go to Minneapolis. Like it's it's just not. So while it's a, a very good school, some people would say it's a, a school that you know Wisconsin rejects go to. I didn't get it into either, so I, I'm a reject of both. But it's it, it's not a place you're going to be a perennial top twenty five football program. That's just not who they are. Wisconsin has been for the last thirty years. Have they fallen off? I don't think there's any way you can say they haven't. There's no way you you can say they haven't. But are they are they are you at the point where you're supposed to be car- comparing yourself to Minnesota? That's 
a little bit much for me at this point. And if you are, well, then you definitely need significant, significant changes. Uh, and I think there's probably a lot of people that probably would want those significant changes. But I'm not there yet. When it comes to Fleck, I think when they have a, a little rough patch, which might happen when they finally have a new quarterback and a new running back uh, next season when Tanner Morgan's finally done, we'll see. I do think his antics will not play well in a losing locker room. I, I think it works when everything's working, that kind of deal with him. It's it's one of those deals where the current era of college, like, I'm not trying to say that they are on the same level. I don't think they are. But I also think as we move forward in this era of college football, it is really hard seeing, and this sucks to say, it's really hard seeing Wisconsin closing the gap with Ohio State. And I'm not saying Minnesota is the comp. It, it's not a comp thing for me. It is when Who Wisconsin... Is the gap? To Ohio State? Yeah. Nobody. Okay. So Maybe, what are we talking about here? Well, Michigan's the only one, but that was my whole thought coming away from the game is people saw what happened in 2017. They were close and lost the Big Ten title. They saw what happened in 2019. They were leading by two touchdowns they at halftime. They lost to seven. They lost by a lot, but still you had that inkling of maybe they have it in them to do it. A lot in the football world in college has changed since then, yeah. and Ohio State is taking off on a rocket ship. Michigan is kind of sticking with them. They won last year. They have a really good team still this year, uh, and maybe even uh, you could throw Penn State in there possibly, even though they haven't beat those teams consistently because they recruit at that level. It is almost impossible to see any team in the West closing that gap. Maybe Nebraska if everything turns around miraculously. Who maybe could be able to do that at Nebraska? He, he could finger it out. But to me, and and maybe if you disagree with the wording, I didn't mean to be their programs are the same. But when you look across the West, there are a lot of programs that are kind of similar recruiting wise, right, and kind of similar resource wise. There's no Ohio State in the West. There's no Michigan in the West, and the West will soon go away when USC and UCLA come, and all of this will be kind of, kind of an irrelevant discussion. But in Wisconsin's football seasons, and honestly, aside from 2020, I could argue that the Minnesota game became I kind of encaptured what that Wisconsin team was. Like last year, inconsistent. The passing game ended up being their downfall as well as offense as a whole. Paul Christ hires a whole new staff. You go back to 2018. Uh, Minnesota won that game for the first time in however long, but that was a Wisconsin team that wasn't very good. And then the years where they've gotten to the Big Ten title as of late, and then this year where we don't know yet, like those games are the measuring stick for the program at this point until they Stop get back. Stop saying it for the program. Stop saying it. It's a measuring stick for this season. You, you're not going into season saying, oh, that's the measuring stick game for this program. If, if uh, Where's Wisconsin at because of what they did against Minnesota? If you're doing that, there's a problem. There's a significant problem. Well, I would say there is a problem because they haven't made the Big Ten title in however many years. And Three. Yeah. Two, I should say two. Not knowing 2020 and not in 2021. This is 2022, Ben. Yes. So they yes. haven't made it the last two years. So they were a game away. But last if they year. go beat Minnesota this year and win the West, then I think you could put that conversation we, aside again. I mean, do we do we push Minnesota back down because they're they're not they're on Wisconsin's level right now? Obviously. I'm not so saying we just, they're we just, on the same level. Do we do we are they down the slide? Do we push them down a slide like how is like like Bernie's slide at, at Miller Park or at American Family Field? Like, I I don't know. I'm asking. These are, these are questions I'm, I'm wondering because apparently we're just throwing Minnesota and Wisconsin like up based on four games to start a freaking season. I've never said they were on the same level. But you, but you want them to be measured against them. No, I'm saying you will know where Wisconsin stands as a team each year given this game. That's a horrible take. All right. Well, then, if you disagree with the take, then 
That is what it is. It's until Wisconsin gets back to the Big Ten title, and it's until they play better football, right? Yes. What we've seen throughout this season yeah. is a further, uh, it furthers what we saw last year. It furthers what we saw previously. Until you play better football, then I can't say that beating Ohio State or keeping it close with whoever in the Big Ten title game is... I, well, I can. Uh, I'll do it for you. The, the, it should be the expectation, but at this point, until they play better, it's unrealistic. And the, they haven't the, done it in four year, three years. Two years. The difference... The difference 2019. The, they've played two years of football. They've played two years and four games. That's fair. Two uh, and a third. The, the, di- the difference, obviously, is... Um, I, I don't think we're thinking of this... We'd be thinking of this much differently if Washington State hadn't happened. Kind of, but... no. I said, I, I mean, I would be, I would be thinking about this much differently if, if Washington State ha- hadn't happened. I would not be overreacting, and, and like, and, and at least um, hearing people overreact and, and kind of somewhat agreeing with some of the things they said if Washington State hadn't happened. Like yes, that's, that's a, that it, to me is a bigger concern than Ohio State. Well, also the because cr- Ohio State does that to, because Ohio State does that to teams at Ohio State. They just do. They've done it to every team that's gone in there at some point. It's Mich- true. Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska. Iowa, Michigan State, Wisconsin, like done it to everybody. So, but we also what happened two weeks prior. And that that falling on your face, flat on your face, is, is very difficult to um, overlook. Well, I think the Chris backlash would have been a lot less severe if Washington State hadn't happened. The same people that have always thought that would come out, but I think there are many others that saw Washington State and have changed their position and Ohio State only ensured it, which then would lead to my reaction from that game being a little bit differently. All right, a couple minutes before we get out of here, Zach. There are eight games left on the schedule. Wisconsin is obviously two and two. Illinois is this weekend. They have Northwestern in Evanston. They are at Michigan State, home against Purdue and Maryland, in Iowa, at Nebraska, and then home against Minnesota, in case that wasn't clear already. What do you see? They're two and two right now. If you had to throw a, a dart at the board and say their final final record is what and what are the losses? Ten and two. Really? No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I could see seven and five. I could. Uh, here's the thing. I could very well see them losing to Minnesota. That wouldn't change my opinion based on the programs and where they've been and who they are and what they can be, it wouldn't change that for me. But I, I, could, I could see that being a loss. However, I'd like to see Minnesota play, play a few more games. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see them play a few more games. Uh, they have been, I, I don't think a, a word, I mean, dominant probably be the best word to use for them to this point. But it's still early. It's four games. Just like Wisconsin's schedule is not, dis, or Wisconsin's season is not decided by two games. Keep that same energy, right? Keep that same energy. Um, win this week, win versus Northwestern, Michigan State. We'll see. That's a win. Um, yeah, they're bad. Going on down the line, I I, I hate picking this because I, I said before the season seven and five, and yet I could see them winning or losing all of them. Maybe outside of Northwestern, but again, that game's at Northwestern, and Wisconsin's just it's always weird down there. They they are not good. They they may not win another game. Um, they lost to Miami, Ohio this week. If people were 17, not aware, 17-14. That and they also lost to Southern. Was it Southern Illinois the week before? Yes. Uh, so they are not good, but it's also down there. You just never know. 
I, again, I could I could pick Wisconsin in every single one of these games, and I could pick the other team in probably every single one of these games. That is true. They're so all. I, I didn't go game by game. I apologize. They're all winnable. They're all losable. If I had to take a guess today, I think they finish eight and four. I think, and, and this is, I feel okay about the offense and what it can be, and what maybe playing Illinois and Northwestern I will do after the Ohio State thing, and maybe getting healthier up there. I think the two losses are Maryland and Minnesota. Uh, what I've seen from Maryland is scary. They're legit this year. Out of all of the rest of the contest, I think they could give Wisconsin the most trouble, aside from Purdue throwing the ball deep, but Maryland also is playing good defense. They have a good run game. So Maryland and Minnesota would be my losses. When it comes to Minnesota, the last thing I'll say on this matter is it. I will entertain some Chris discussions if the season goes downhill and they lose that game. I will entertain. I will say that if they finish six and seven, seven and six, something like that, the conversations will heat up, and I could see him being on a hot, a hotter, a warmer seat going into next year. There is virtually no scenario that I could see him not being the coach after this year unless he wants to walk away. That I agree with. I by discussions again I'm, two and two. I'm sorry. I, I know I keep cutting you off. Uh, I just wanted to finish my my point. They're two and two. They were one and three last year. They came back all the way back from last year and had a chance to go to the Big Ten West title game or the Big Ten title game, where they probably would have gotten hammered by Michigan. It's only one loss in the Big Ten. They could get things turned around and it could be different. Um, and this conversation could be ridiculous by the end of the year, but. Um, the river, the the or I should say the uh, yeah the river is starting to pick up speed in that direction. Yep. Uh, by discussions off season, I don't mean for action, but for consideration entering the next year. Maybe a bar that has to be set. Um, the offense has to play better. The offense has to be more consistent. I would. I have confidence Leonard can turn the defense around, but. It's one of those things that's only really going to be answered when they're on the field. It's the same deal with the offensive line play, right? We've seen it struggle for years, and then we think because all the star talent's there and Bostad's back, it's all going to be great. Hasn't been answered yet, so many questions are, are left to be answered. It's a it's a solid Illinois team. They're going to face off against on Saturday. Yes, They just crushed Chattanooga. They had a weird loss to Indiana where they just turned it over and shot themselves in the face. Had a touchdown and, taken away that shouldn't have been taken away. Right. It was an odd game. I, I, I think they're they're a solid Big Ten team. I think they're going to yeah, challenge them, certainly going to challenge them in the run game. Uh, I, you have to think Bielham is licking his chops um, looking at that tape from Ohio State. And obviously it's different talent, but Chase Brown is, I mean, he's as good as any run, well, maybe not as good as any running back in the Big Ten, but he's right up there uh, and he's leading the country in rushing right now and you know they're going to try and pound pound away at Wisconsin. If Wisconsin doesn't do something differently than they did last week, or even early against New Mexico State, it could be a long day. I'm going to leave everybody with a a good note, a, a piece of good news moving forward. The Illinois offense through what have they played four games so far this year? Out of 131 FBS teams, they rank 100th in moving the sticks on first and second down. Nice, nice. Which, uh, maybe that plays into Wisconsin's strength. That's because Brett Bielema runs it for three, runs it for three, and then it's a short third. Even so, I think I'm happy. So uh, he has turned down interview requests this week for with, with Wisconsin reporters. 
because he doesn't want it to be about Brett Bielema versus Wisconsin. It's Illinois versus Wisconsin. He told us that at Big Ten Media Day as well. Yep. You know why I don't buy that? He, I mean, he said it at Big Ten Media Day, not to us, but when he's talking about it. They were originally supposed to play here to open the season. Yes. It's the reason they played a week zero game. Because yes. he didn't want to walk in here on in game one and, and put together a crap performance, right? So they were supposed to play here. They played week zero, and they, they win. I think it was Wyoming who they played in week zero. When the schedule got changed in January, this past January, he got very quickly to work and making it so their game against Chattanooga was moved from Saturday to Thursday so that he would have a few extra days to prepare for Wisconsin. You can't tell me this game doesn't mean something to him and that it's not important to him and that it is not about Brett Bielma. It is about Brett Bielma. It's about Brett Bielma coming back to Wisconsin, and he is desperately, desperately wanting to win this game. Like, this game means more to him than any other one on the schedule. I have no doubt about that. His actions, his words say one thing, his actions say another. Yeah, the Karma Cup. I can't wait. Maybe in the post-game media scrum you can get unblocked on Twitter. I'll go into the uh, – if they win, if Illinois wins, I'm going to that media room after the game. Are you going to ask to I'm get like, unblocked hey, on Twitter? Hey, I'm here to uh, – yeah, I'm here. Karma came. Now get me unblocked. Maybe Jen will no, tweet karma at you. No, that's that'd be a little bit much. But, you know, that uh, that post-game locker room scene would, would rival what happened in 2018 when – PJ Fleck was diving in there with the with the axe. Yes. Um, yeah. That'd be that'd be a hell of a I mean, he wants it. There's you can't you can't tell me anything otherwise. I think I can't wait. Part of me, I will admit, is a little frightened about the potential of what can happen. He, but smel- he smells blood, man. He smells blood. And you I, know what happens when Brett Bielma smells blood. I'm gonna sit here and protrude confidence entering <laughs> the game. We will be live again on Thursday. We will be live from 5 to 6. We will be at Monk's Bar and Grill, likely to be joined again by a special guest. If you also take issue to the Minnesota comment that has been uh, discussed extensively, come come on out. Say hi. Uh, Talk crap to my face, I guess. Express your displeasure with my thought that it's a measuring stick game. And then we move forward. Man, they better beat Illinois on Saturday. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you at 5 o'clock, Monk's Bar and Grill, Thursday. Thanks for hanging around. See ya.